Hello and welcome. This is Sohi Lee with Dr. Lane Norton. This is episode 23 of Physique Science Podcast. Today we've got Corey Probst with us today. She is very, very uh, well versed in her area. She is, um, I think, she, I want to say she's the vice president of the Diet Doc program, which many of you have probably heard of. I actually first heard of her several years ago, um, back in the day in 2010, I know, uh, Lane was used to work with Dr. Joe as well. Um, yes. right. Like many, many years ago. And I worked with him as an online client back in 2010. And I, when I was still in college at the time, I worked with him on two separate occasions. And I later learned that Corey was essentially his counterpart in, in the business. And she took charge of the, the, you know, the psych- psychological side of things. And I finally got to meet her last year. So June 2014 at the VIP camp in Tampa. And she talked a lot about, I mean, everything she was talking about with the what the hell effect. And I was like, yes, I love it. And uh, right now I know she's in school right now, obtaining her PhD in in uh, health psychology, which is amazing, and she will be talking a lot today about um, binge eating and other other phenomena like that. But before we get into that, we do want to take a few minutes to give you an update on what what's going on with myself and Lane. I'm actually uh, about to move to Phoenix for the next three months, um, and I've packed up my bags right now. So as soon as we wrap up this podcast, I'll be. Uh, we'll you, be you will be you, driving <laughs> you you kids uh, moving for <laughs> moving for three months it sounds can't, terrible can't make up my <laughs> mind but um evan uh, yeah, really evan is in the military and he's deploying so again for the second time this year so we thought it'd be a good uh good for me to to move elsewhere for the time being and i have family out there but um so i'll be doing that in the meantime uh I want to let you guys know that I do have my ebook out, Beginner's Guide to Macros. This is essentially How to Count Macros 2.0, uh, the bigger and better version. It talks a lot about mindset. And, and uh, in addition to that, I'm also, uh, just as of the past month or so, I started offering a new service. is a custom one-time macro calculating service, and it also comes with access to a Facebook support group, which has been surprisingly uh, very active, and uh, I've been really—it's been really exciting for me to see it blossom into a full-blown community. So check those out. And Lane, updates. Oh, uh, well, yeah. So I've got—you like how I act surprised there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've uh, obviously got a lot of stuff going on, but um, the, the the biggest deal going is um, that well, two of the bigger deals going are I'm going to actually have. And I always hesitate to do this because then I'm going to get 5,000 people saying, when's it out, when's it out, when's it out? But I, I, I don't know. So just it should be in within the next month. Um, I am uh, starting up a members area of my website. Awesome. And so that's going to be, you know, so he, you told me all, for, for a long time because you read my emails <laughs> that, um, you know, I, I, I turn away so many people for coaching that I need – I need to find a way to offer people something who I'm not going to take on for coaching, who inquire with me, right. yes. or who maybe they, maybe I, you know, we decide not to take them on, or they can't afford me that sort of thing. So it's going to be a subscription service, and it's going to co- consist of you know videos and and um, you know you know uh, tutorials that sort of thing, um, as well as like webinars. And uh, live events, you know, live webinars. Uh, we're going to try and organize live training events as well, and um, as well as uh, a lot of article contributions from different authors that um, people in the industry who I 
like these are all people who I learn from and who I respect. So I think it's going to be a really great uh, deal for people who you know want to take that next step, but for ever, whatever reason they, they can't work directly with me, then this is something that we can provide to them for a really really good price. And uh, and then the other one I have coming out is um, actually a a macro calculator. So uh, a um, yeah, so uh, a website that you know it's going to be. It is going to be a fee, um, but it's basically, um, you know, you input different information and essentially it acts as your kind of coach without, without a coach. So um, I think it's going to be great for, you know, kind of mass coaching of people, if you will. Um, and I, I think it's going to be something that people really enjoy. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Also, my powerlifting meet in Vegas coming up as well as a camp in Vegas uh, in November. Um, if you guys are interested, you go to biolane.com. You can learn more about um, the lifting camp as well as the seminars that myself and Matt Gary are doing. And uh, yeah, you know, so other than that stuff, I'm not busy at all. Uh, so <laughs> you just anyways. got back from Scotland yesterday. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, I just got back from Scotland. Next week I go to Vegas for the Olympia. Oh, um, then I'm going to be traveling in October to Pennsylvania for, for Raw Nationals. Uh, yeah, and and I yeah, I was funny. I, I I not to go on too much about this, but I was telling somebody the other day. I'm like, yeah, traveling is great when you first start doing it, and then it starts to lose its luster after a while. And I can remember just like I actually had a terrible lifting session today, just because I'm so jet lagged. Mm -hmm. And uh, I sit trying to sit there, try not sitting there, but I'm trying to squat today. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh man, my price for going overseas just went higher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But, right. uh, you know, declines. what's that, Corey? The novelty declines with so yes. much travel. It's fun, like you said, for the first few trips. And then you want your own comforts and stability. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Corey Probst. <laughs> <laughs> and with so, that. <laughs> and with that, we need her. So is that so? Uh, soon to be Doctor Probst, uh, if we understand correctly. I keep calling and, her Doctor Corey. I'm like Doctor Corey, Doctor Corey. That's, that's okay. <laughs> I told I told Sophie it's it's better to go up, right, right, than right, to down. You know, like I'll I'll tell people it, you can call me Lane and you can call me Doctor Norton, but don't call me Mister Norton. That's no, don't do that. <laughs> so um, no, so I assume like the the novelty from traveling that's like the dopamine release, right, Corey? Sure. Initially, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like we talked about, like talked about at your camp, novelty is so, so important just for the motivational component of, of reaching a goal and, and striving. So, yeah. But then, I mean, so is the ability to have familiarity and some stability and <laughs> you're on the teeter-totter all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's actually, let's kind of lead in with that. So that's interesting because, uh, you know, you deal with people nutritionally but also uh, from the context of, you know, you have a psychology background. And so how does that, like I get a lot of clients who, for example, I'll have them on a program and they'll really be making good progress and I've structured it a certain way mm -hmm. and they will feel the need to make a change just for the sake of making a change. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I really try to, to say, hey, listen, this is working, you know, let's keep going. But other times I'll say, well, if, they, if they're just miserable on this program, maybe we should change something. Is that So how do you kind of balance that out with balancing kind of the psychology background, but also what works physiologically? 
Yeah, well, you know, it's sometimes it's not even about the them being miserable, Lane. It's just that when you look when you look at what creates an expert, for example, someone you have an individual who needs to I mean, you have to practice, right? You have to be very deliberate, you have to be conscious, you have to um, put forth the effort in order to acquire a new skill. So mm -hmm. you may give this person macros and they've been on it for a couple of weeks and they're like, okay, I got it, like this is good. Like now they're in, they're in a groove, but in order to continue growing and learning, if you have like a very um, approach-oriented, growth-minded person, now they need to up the ante a little bit. Now they need another challenge. Interesting. So, it, you know, for you as a coach, it can just be maybe we're not changing the macros, but now you're giving them an, a new thing to think about or a new challenge in the gym. Maybe it doesn't even have to be related nutritionally. Um, but yeah, in order to keep them galvanized and to keep to stay motivated in what they're doing to reach the ultimate outcome, they need to increase the difficulty level just a little bit more slightly above where they currently are. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And so, and so well, I, I think we need to back up just real quick because <laughs> we didn't we didn't even introduce you. So this is a, the this listeners is are like, whoa, who is this woman? Yeah. So Sophie, <laughs> I, I'm I'm jet lagged, so that's my excuse. <laughs> What what's your excuse? <laughs> I get overtaken. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. So Corey, tell us a little bit. Like, so what's your background? How did you get into lifting? And how did you kind of was it something that like you know? Sohi and I we we had a background. We lifted, and then that kind of got us into our you know the science. Um, was it like that for you, or did it evolve a different way? Um. Well, I have a background <laughs> like the two of you do. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and then I lifted. Um, I started training with weights when I was 14. I was a wow. freshman in high school, and I actually I had a choice between physics or beginning weight training. <laughs> and hmm. I chose beginning weight training. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, and so that's kind of where it all began. And I was lifting more than the boys at the age of 14. And I acquired the nickname Guns. And I was feeling pretty good about myself. <laughs> I think I got, you know, I, I earned a lot of confidence and competence in high school in the area of weight training. Um, and at the same time, that is when I really started struggling with food. Um, mm. I went through a couple of different experiences at that age when I was told, uh, Corey, you're starting to walk like a man. And uh. someone very close to me, and it really was devastating. And mm. really shifted my focus from trying to be strong and, and just really enjoying the weights to... I, I kind of achieved weights completely. I just started doing a lot of cardio and mm -hmm. had another instance as I moved into as I moved into college my freshman year. It's funny, these were like pivotal times in my life. My uh, freshman year in high school and then my freshman year in college. I had gained probably 15 pounds or so after my first year and 
this guy. This is all kind of personal stuff, but it really has um, shaped who who I've become. And this guy that I kind of had a crush on my my freshman year had asked me, you know, what are you what are you majoring in?" And I said, "Exercise physiology." And he looked at me and he said, "Shouldn't you be thinner?" Wow. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, oh, sometimes I wonder, like, what, what, oh, like, the, the thought process between saying something like that. I don't that. think there is so. a thought process. There, oh. no, there's no, <laughs> there, the neurons are not firing. There's no oh. empathy in statements oh. like that. There's no forethought of, no. This And this guy was an engineer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that explains it. They didn't. They, the thing, but, yeah, so. I mean, that really changed my relationship with food at that point. And of course, and I really I struggled for a year or two um, and got pretty unhealthy in terms of my relationship with food and um, not to get into that whole story, because I know that we have a lot to cover, but um, it, it took me a good probably two or three years by the time I graduated from college. Um, you know, I went from 96 pounds, um, got down that low just because of, just because of how unhealthy I was, um, recovered, got back up to about 108 pounds, felt really, really great. And it was during that kind of, I call it a recovery period because it was a time of incredible Mm self-reflection. I got involved, uh, with a therapist that I really, really trusted and respected and that was kind of a pivotal time in terms of who Corey was gonna grow up to be and and the approach that I wanted to take in my life and gosh I look back now and that what I was I was 21 when I graduated from college and now I'm 37 and it feels like eons ago um and I've changed tremendously, but you know, this is so funny. We could just we could generate a discussion just about this in particular, about self reflection and self actualization. But I, my my mom actually, when I had had my birthday in August, she sent me a letter that I had written her about this guy who had said that to me. <laughs> uh, I had written her the letter prior to that even happening, though. And there were things in that letter that reminded me of who I am now. Like, there are so many things about us guys, just genetically and personality-wise, that never go away, you know, that are yeah. kind of our enduring vulnerabilities, the things right. that the things that kind of, they will, they will keep popping up and keep popping up and keep popping up. And so it's just a challenge to look at that and be like, oh, there it is again. Right, (laughs) to look back at that letter years later and realize that some things still hold true for you. Exactly. And then then it becomes just this process of how am I going to respond to that? Mm -hmm. It's here again. It's not, it's obviously not the same thing because it's so many years later. It feels similar though, but what am I going to do with it? So is that how you first got interested in psychology and decided to go back to school for continuing education? Yeah, you know, I graduated. So I graduated with my exercise physiology degree, Mm -hmm. took like six months off and just worked. And then 
it was, it was that experience with the therapist Mm -hmm. and, uh, that really got me interested in counseling. And I'll tell you this too, in eighth grade, I was named, um, they chose someone and named this person the natural helper. (laughs) And I, I, in eighth grade, I had no aspirations of going into psychology and kind of a helping profession, but when you look back, you can kind of see that the trajectory started then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's neat to, to kind of see, but yeah, so he, that's um, when I chose counseling as, as my master's plan um, and then really got involved in, uh, after I graduated and did my internship at a community mental health center and was doing in-home family therapy with kids who were referred through the court system. And so my job was to work with these families in their homes in crisis situations so that the parents could keep their kids. Um, Mm. Really, really volatile situations. It was so difficult. This is a job with a burnout rate of a year, a turnover, (sighs) and I lasted three. (laughs) But in the meantime, this is when I was scheming because I knew I wasn't going to, I didn't want to do that forever. Mm -hmm. It just, it didn't interest me. so that was when I acquired my personal training certification. I was writing for a publication. This was in Fort Collins, Colorado at the time. Um, I created my own small wellness business called Results Not Typical and was doing in-home therapy, um, like licensed counseling, mm-hmm. um, personal training, uh, and then was training people in a gym too. Oh my goodness. Then, it was, so here's where everything shifted again for me. I was approached in the gym, and this was, I think it was in like two th- early 2006, by a woman who was like, you know, you should consider competing. And mm. I had no idea. I had no idea competing. Competing what? <laughs> like, right, you know, right. Like going to compete in or against two. <laughs> right, right, right. So she's, she introduced me to the bodybuilding world, and I, I went to, like, a couple camps in Denver and just to kind of get a feel for what I was getting into or might get into and picked a couple shows. And um, about a year later, after I had competed, like, three or four times and was doing, like, NPC national shows and placing dead last, um, <laughs> I did a Google search for competition prep coaches. And guess uh. who I found? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Uh, I didn't yeah. know this story. This is so funny. Yeah, so I, he was the first person that contacted me back, Dr. Joe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, I think we went a season, a year, where he prepped me. Of course, it was all online. We were just all via email. And, um, and what year uh, was this? This was in 2007. Interesting, okay. Yeah. And then in 2008, January of 2008, I attended the fantasy camp in Evansville, Indiana. I was still living in Colorado. So I flew to Evansville and went to the fantasy camp. So I got to meet him for the first time. And oh my gosh, guys, like, you know, who tells the story the best is Dave Gooden because he was at that Mm. camp. Um, But it was just it, it was an unbelievable weekend. And I, when I left, like, every, you guys know me well. I'm pretty emotional and I'll cry at the drop of a hat. But, <laughs> but 
when I left, I was a mess. I was a sobbing mess. And mm-hmm. I said, when I left, I was like, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew, I knew, I knew there was more surety inside of me with this than anything in my entire life. I said, I'm coming back. This is where I'm supposed to be. I didn't know anything about Evansville. Like, no one wants to know anything about Evansville. Nothing, except that I knew that's where I was supposed to be. So I got home, and Joe posted something on the forums that we had at the time for Team Klemzeski. And he said, you know, this is, I'm just kind of putting my feelers out there. I'm looking at hiring someone soon. And guess who jumped on that email? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah. Uh, you're hiring me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you I think just, Joe told that story that you emailed him. We're basically like, listen, your search is over. You're hiring me. Exactly. Yes. I was like, I will move whenever you tell me to get out there. I will yeah. pack up. I love that gung ho attitude. I feel like that's, <laughs> this is so new to me. I was always under the impression that you two have been a team forever, like since the beginning. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, the Die Duck has been around for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was in. So I. He, we're, we're emailing back and forth, and I fly out there a couple months later for my interview. And uh, let's see. Yeah, I flew out there in April, and I was there. I started July 1st. Wow. <laughs> wow. And so Amazing. the rest of history after that, yeah, he put me in charge of um, the, uh, the general population nutrition and weight loss program. So I was managing that and then created the mental edge program, which right. like Sophie said, is the, the psychology mm-hmm. side of it, really the, the goal pursuit and motivation side. Very cool. Well, that's actually, that's a good spot to take a break on. Let's come back. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, as always, um, we're, we're loving talking to you, uh, Corey. You always have uh, unique insight. And this is cool to get this backstory too because I've heard it from Joe's perspective and not mm-hmm. yours. So we'll take a, we'll take a break and uh, we'll be right back and listen to Physique Science Radio. Hey guys, Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I can eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. Myoatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right, 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, they have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds, and you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as you're customizing your blend, and they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? 
Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want. And the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com and check out some of the blends that have already been made. Or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey guys, many of you out there know I spend a lot of time bagging on bad coaches. And certainly, there's more than enough of those to go around. But a lot of times people ask me who I do recommend. Well, one person we can recommend wholeheartedly is Paul Ravella of Pro Physique. Paul has received more referrals from me over the last two years than any other coach, and with good reason. Paul is competent, professional, caring, and carries himself with a lot of integrity. If you hire Paul, you're going to be getting the very best at a great value. Paul is also one of my closest personal friends, and I can say with absolute certainty, I feel 100% comfortable with referring my closest friends and family to him, because I've done that. Paul Ravella of ProPhysique.com. Check him out, guys. Hey guys, you know me, and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest Bars. You know I love protein and fiber, and these are packed with 20 grams of high-quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest Bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest Bars today at questnutrition.com, GNC, and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram at questnutrition and youtube.com slash questnutrition for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious. We're back on Physique Science Radio. We're talking with uh, Corey Probst. And uh, so he, so two things. Now I keep wanting to call her Dr. Corey. And I, <laughs> I don't also, think she will it, mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. So soon, soon, to be, soon to be Dr. Corey. Um, but I, I, I also am getting like super um, uh, anxious about her last name now that I found out that I said it wrong for so many years. So I keep, as I'm about to say it, I'm like, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. So, <laughs> now it's performance lane. Now you're in your head. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like now, Corey you know, has can, to coach you out of it. I can. I can, I, I can deadlift 700 pounds with a, with several thousand people watching me, but ask me to say a last name right, and it kills me. Yeah. So, um, so Corey, tell us a little bit more about. Um, you know, obviously, you, you you moved to Evansville, which is actually my hometown where I'm from. People who don't who don't know that, um, you moved there, started working for Joe, and uh, you were you were kind of doing the mental edge. So, tell you talked about the mental edge and that you started that. What what is the mental edge, and and why did you guys feel that was something that was needed for the the, the coaching? Man, yeah. Well, gosh, that's a huge question. Um, yeah, I like to give you easy softballs. You know. <laughs> Where to start? <laughs> well, what we found, and I know that you know you two as coaches deal with this on a regular basis as mm -hmm. well, is that 
these individuals who have such strenuous goals and who diet incredibly hard and need to be on their game and incredibly focused in order to do this well and successfully would to this will sound cliche they would fall apart mm-hmm. they would yes. fall apart under pressure and most often it would be in binges they would fall apart with food not surprisingly because they're dieting so hard so I created the Mental Edge program to really work with these individuals in a number of different ways because we have to look at it from the physiological side, but we also have to look at it from the psychological yes, side. Yes, absolutely. When someone isn't starving and they're binge eating, there is a high, it, it, there's an, a huge emotional component that we have to look at and get underneath in order to get them to a place where they can move through their goals in a more resilient, integrated way. So the Mental Edge program really focuses on these emotional agility skills, I like to call them. There's also the technical aspects of dieting. So the logging, the tracking, Uh the self-monitoring, But then, you know, food prep, things like that. How do I manage my environment? I call, I like to call it environmental engineering. How do I make this as easy as possible by changing my environment in a way that facilitates the, the easiest goal pursuit? But then there's the adaptive side also. So there's a huge emotional component, like I said, with when you're looking at temptation related eating and when you're in different contexts that become difficult, whether it's a place, whether it's certain people who incite different feelings within you and how to deal with that. So uh, this program really, it, it integrates the adaptive and the technical sides of, and not just dieting, but goal pursuit in general. Anyone who is going to pursue a goal and pursue it successfully needs to acquire emotional intelligence. So that's really what it focuses on. Interesting. So I, I want to push that a little bit further. What sure. would you say that you, if you could define, I, I realize it's hard to do. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm always giving you softballs. Um, <laughs> em, emotional. Emotional intelligence. Can you give us an example of something that you would consider emotionally intelligent in the context of like a physique athlete? Okay. So I am dieting for a contest. And I can, since we promote structured flexibility, right? I can go to this Mexican restaurant 99% of the time and not have difficulty ordering a, a, as healthy as possible. Uh, I can watch my friends around me devour the, the baskets of chips and queso and salsa. I can watch them get a margarita and whatever, that's totally fine. Like, I know what's important to me. I use defensive pessimism. So I'm looking at that food and I'm like, heck yeah. 
all this does is remind me how important my goal is to me. I don't crumble under pressure. Now the goal is front and center because I'm facing all this stuff that I know is not in my service and in my best interest. And I'm on my game. So that in a way, does it strengthen your resolve then? That defensive pessimism? Absolutely. Cool. Yes. It, Interesting. It, it puts me in a in a more resilient, hardy place for moving toward goal congruent behavior. Mm-hmm. I now, think that's interesting. Sorry, Corey, go ahead. The flip side, Wayne, is okay, it's Friday. It's Friday. I've had a very difficult week. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I'm exhausted. I've been dealing with whiny clients. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, well, did I say that? And then Never happens. I invite me to this Mexican restaurant. <laughs> the same Mexican restaurant that mm-hmm. I could go to and just be incredibly strong in. And now I'm thinking um, probably not the best idea. That's emotional intelligence. Here's what happens. Uh, When you look at, uh, I mean, this all relates to like the concept of motivation too. When you look at motivation, it's kind of a three layered um, phenomenon. At the very bottom, the very bottom layer is this global personality level motivation. Genetics, personality, we're kind of born, you know, some people type A, type B, we want to get categorical. Some people are just more driven and determined, right? Right. Then the next level, the next layer is the contextual layer. So people, places, times, you guys both know for yourselves that some contexts and with some people, it's just easier. In other contexts, it's like I have to I, it takes a little bit more effort, takes a little bit more energy. The, the cognitive control that I need in those situations is a little bit more difficult. And then the, the, the highest layer is the situational layer. And this really um, keys in on like our mood state and how we're feeling emotionally, if we're tired. And so the contextual and the situational interact to produce a behavior. So the Mexican restaurant example, the context for me is typically fine. Like I can get through that context just fine. But now when it's interacting with significant fatigue, that's where one, I have to get incredibly good at at and develop the skill and the intelligence to be able to say, okay, how am I feeling right now? Like, is this a is this a good idea? What's my body telling me? Emotions reside in our body. If I'm fatigued, how do I know I'm fatigued? If I'm sad, if I'm distressed, if I'm anxious, if I'm discouraged, how do I know I'm feeling that way? I'm calling it that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what what are the clues? What are the signals? What are the signs that I am actually that? So it's understanding the emotion itself, what the signs and signals are for me, and then determining from that what's going to be in my best interest in that moment, in that situation, within that context. That's 
That that's brilliant. I love it. Um, and and just listening to it, Corey, um, this reminds me of something I've 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 told clients without understanding, you know, the 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 psychology of it, but just kind of through my own trial and error. And, and that is, you know, like for example, with flexible dieting, as there's no secret, Sophie and I are big fans of it, but it's not magic, you know. Um, yeah. It's it's. I just gave a talk, talk talking about um, in Scotland, talking about the hierarchy of of what's important when you're trying to improve your physique, and I said one of the main things you should focus on in your training and your nutrition is flexibility, because the more you can be flexible, the more likely you are to be able to adhere to it, and the more likely you are to be consistent with it, which over the course of time is what really makes the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And the ability the, to adapt. To yes. whatever situation you're in, exactly to help anyone in any situation, especially someone who's, you know, competing, dieting stringently, working towards a really a, a strength goal. I mean, whatever it is, like you said, yeah, that adaptability and, and the the yeah. So so, but the thing is, even with flex, flexible dieting, there are constraints, right? And so, yeah. but those constraints are typically defined by our goals. And mm-hmm. so, for example, I always put things in context. I'm like, listen, I'm out in Scotland. I'm eating out pretty much every day, right? And I can tolerate that because one, my macros are, are pretty high right now because I'm in the off season. I've just got to maintain weight for powerlifting. I'm not really cutting weight. So I can, I know if I, you know, if I keep calories a little bit lower earlier in the day and we go out for dinner, I'm not going to have any problem. Um, However, if I had just been through a long contest prep, I, I tell this to clients uh, all the time. I'm like, listen, I'm all, all, I'm all about you going on vacation. I think you should go on vacation. I think like, for example, the end of a contest prep, having a vacation right after that, I think is just setting yourself up for, for a, not, yeah. I don't want to say failure, but you, you're going to put on likely a lot more body fat than you want to just because of the context of you, you just finished this really stringent diet, now the goal is accomplished, and there can be quite a bit of overfeeding just associated with that. And mm-hmm. So I, I'll tell people, hey, listen, I, I want you to go on vacation. I think even maybe going on vacation while you're prepping is, is doable. You know, it's fine. But in that specific context, I think that's probably a bad idea. It certainly can be difficult for a lot of people. Well, uh, I know. Newcomers to the sport, for sure. Um, there is, like I said, so much cognitive control and planning that has to go into it. And after a show without the added um complication of a vacation and the desire to relax and the desire to feed yourself and um, just kind of replenish and recoup um, it's it's so so difficult to say okay if I don't want to gain a ton of weight now I still need to be very controlled about what I'm eating yeah I mm-hmm. still- to after the diet. Yeah, we talk about this all the time, and it's uh, it's you know it's kind of a striking a balance between relaxing the diet to sure. make your lifestyle reasonable, but mm-hmm. also 
making sure that you because I mean I'll tell my clients like listen I don't care like I really don't care if you end up putting on weight if you're happy right, who, am I to, right, right. who am I to tell you that you shouldn't be happy at that body fat however right. what typically happens is they'll put on a bunch of weight and immediately want to start dieting again and mm -hmm. that's something that obviously I, I, I want to avoid so um, you know that it that brings up a really good point between there's a difference between you know wanting and liking and it's something that it it can become very convoluted in people's brains i want this there's this um, there's this impulsive reaction to okay now let's just go eat when the show is over without the um the accompanying forethought to be able to say okay and here are the consequences that could mm -hmm. result from my actions <laughs> right and you know i think a lot of people, whether it's with contest prep, but even with just a regular dieting phase where you're not stepping up on on stage at the end, I find with I know I went through this myself in uh, 2008. Actually, I was I was um, like you know, Corey, you're talking about your pivotal moments. This was my freshman year of college. I had just finished my dieting stint with uh, an online coach at the time, Meal Plans, and I was you know I'm five two. I got down to nine, 99 pounds, and then I rebounded terribly and I think you know what was going on in my mind and I know this happens with a lot of people too is that I was I was so focused on the in my mind the end goal was finish this yeah. diet right and I didn't think at all about what I would have to deal with in the months following that yes so I think yep. yeah people don't they don't have a plan they don't think it through they just think I'll deal with it when it gets here and then the time gets here and they're they have no, they, you know, they're not, they're kind of, uh, it's more of a knee-jerk reaction versus, okay, I've thought this through, I've thought about the the consequences of my behavior, and here's my plan of action. Exactly. Yeah, I, it's done, short-term, with no, no thought to the transition, and what is going to keep me motivated now that I have to shift the goal to something new? And when you're looking at, just even the general population dieter. I mean, y you guys know as well as I do why we have a problem w with weight maintenance. Part of that is the reason. It's that forethought and the ability to be very deliberate in thinking through, here's what I'm going to have to do in order to stay at the weight that I've achieved. And what are those primary factors of success for the people who have done it very very well that's that's perfect and and I, I call that I I tell my clients I, I want you to eat mindfully so uh, for example I, I have a I had a gal who said well will you mean can I have a cheat meal well you know can I have a cheat meal and she's like I know you don't like cheat meals I said listen 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 I, I again I don't care if you want to have a cheat meal that is that you're a grown individual. I'm not. I'm not your mother. I'm, I'm. It's not my job to tell you you can or can't do something. However, I'm not going to sit here and say that if you have a cheat meal, you're not going to gain weight because that can happen. Okay. So what I would suggest to you is that you try to, you know, at least eat mindfully. Where you're, you know, what Sohi and I do is talk about. You know, even if you don't know what the protein, carbs, and fats are in something, and obviously in restaurant, restaurant dishes it's impossible, you're still mm -hmm. saying, okay, I think it's about this, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, 
I'm, I'm, I'm eating, but now I'm feeling physically full. And so I'm just not going to eat anymore because I don't need to, you know. And I remember I actually binge ate after every single one of my shows uh, except the, the except in 2010, my last series of shows I did because I said, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to eat whatever I want until I feel physically full. Once I feel physically full, I'm going to stop eating. And that was two and a half slices of Chicago deep dish pizza and a beer. And I felt full. And I'm like, okay, that's it. And that's a great example of structured flexibility. Mm-hmm. There are I really like that term, structured flexibility. Boundaries. They have to be there just because us as human beings, we value certainty. <laughs> right. <laughs> when it's completely chaotic and ambiguous and there are no lines around anything, we're like, we don't know which way to move. Actually, that That's reminds right. me of um, what, what I do with my clients when, when actually very related to what the story that you just told Lane with, with going out and saying, here's, here's what I'm going to eat, here's what I'm going to drink is um, with some of my clients, they have trouble with, I mean, I know this is very common where when you uh, imbibe a little too much, you have a little too much to drink, you get a little bit tipsy and your inhibitions go out the window and you start eating everything in sight and you stop caring and they say you know i want to i want to go out and have you know i have clients in ireland and they keep telling me you know drinking culture is very big here and i can't i can't not drink forever just to you know just to get my dream body and i say i understand that and i completely don't i know i don't want you to stay home every time but when you go out you know there's a difference between saying I'm going to have, I'm going to drink moderately tonight versus which, because I think moderate can be very, it's very subjective, right? It's very individual. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, moderate to me. Well, anyway, versus saying I'm going to have this many drinks of this specific drink. And once that's done, I'm going to stop. And, um, I found that with that, the more, you know, that's, that's a specific boundary that, that they can work with. That's objective. They can't say, oh, well, by three drinks, I meant five drinks. Like, you know, it's really hard to lie your way out of that. So I found that the success rate uh, really skyrockets. And I feel like that can be applied to food in general as well. Yeah, I like that. So he and going back to what Lane said about mindfulness, mindfulness in that moment. So Okay, so he has this client and they've been very specific about what they're going to um, kind of allow themselves Mm -hmm. flexibly at that meal. In the moment, they may be mindful enough to say, gosh, you know, I thought I really was going to want to drink and now I don't want to at all. So I have plenty of clients who plan, I call it a relaxed meal, but then they get to the, the restaurant or wherever they are, and they're just like, I don't even feel like it anymore. <laughs> so that, to me, is really that presence right there. That's cool. mindfulness, to, to recognize in the moment, I thought I was going to want this, and I'm not obligated just because I said I was going to, and I don't even need it now. Like, I'm not even mm-hmm. feeling any sort of pull towards that food. Exactly. And I... I think it's fine to have the opposite, and you can give your thoughts on this. I've had people that have done the opposite thing where they say, you know what, I, I planned to hit my macros, and I got there, and I sat down, and, and I, I was hungrier, and my, you know, it was, like, it was actually at a wedding, this client said this. They said, you know what, I just decided I wanted that cake, and I understand that I might gain some body fat, but I just decided that 
I wanted that cake. And I said, that's fine. There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing and wrong with that. If right. you have that thought about, process. About when they stand on the scale and it's they're a couple pounds up from the extra carbs, they don't flip out. They Because they have the knowledge. I think right. that's a huge difference. When they understand the physiology behind how they're eating and what they're eating and the difference it's going to make in their weight and how they store and their metabolisms, then they are able to apply it in situations. And that's powerful. Knowledge Absolutely. is powerful, but the application of the knowledge is even more powerful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes a huge difference. And I think that I think where people really get into trouble, like you said, Corey, is where they, they don't understand, right? So they don't they don't have experience tracking or they don't have experience with these sorts of th stuff. And that's one of the, my major problems with a rigid meal plan is because you don't actually learn anything, right? And so you can't make those sorts of decisions. All you know is when you don't eat these specific foods, you gain a lot of body fat. And you're not realizing it's not a mindful thing where you're not realizing that Oh, it's it's not that you know bread is an evil food. It's right. that when I eat bread, it's I, I'm gaining fat because when I eat bread, I'm binging on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's I tell people I'm like you can I understand how people can think there are magic foods out there because <laughs> they'll say you know well I know if I eat chicken and broccoli I get lean. And it's like well that's because it's really hard to read on right. those because it's so low <laughs> Who, calories. Who's gonna binge on broccoli? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I had I had a woman actually you'll you'll appreciate this course. She was convinced she was gluten intolerant because um, you know she's like well gluten always bloats me and I said well you know did you are you celiac and she said no and I said well have you had some sort of food allergy test done and she said no and so I kind of went down the rabbit hole and it turned out the only time she was having gluten was when it was a, a binge eating session and I said okay well do me a favor. Uh, go out and have two slices of bread tonight and then let me know how you feel tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And she came back the next day. So, oh my God, I'm not gluten intolerant. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we have this tendency to go to extremes and we need to categorize things in order to feel safe and secure mm -hmm. and like we can navigate our environments successfully. So the challenge I think with especially competitors because we we do have to set we do have to set limits we have to set boundaries around what we do what we don't do what's appropriate what what what's not appropriate in order to feel like we can really do this well as much as we talk about flexibility still any like high level athlete sets a lot of freaking boundaries <laughs> and they have to to be successful right they've got Absolutely. to guard their time um, yep. So the challenge is, like, in these situations that we're talking about, instead of going to that knee-jerk categorization, this food's bad, only these are good, sorts of very black and white mm -hmm. thoughts, is to approach it with curiosity. Oh, I just gained two pounds. I wonder why. Hmm. What are, what are all the reasons why? Maybe I should ask Lane be, or Sohi before I flip out and <laughs> they're not the coach for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, well, I think, I think we're going to take a quick break and I, I want to come back and talk about this issue of, of structured flexibility 
and because there's I, I have a perfect something that you blew my mind with at camp two years ago that I, I want to bring up. So we'll, you're listening to Physique Science Radio, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, one of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grant, go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohee Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohee's website at soheefit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future. We're back on Physique Science Radio, and uh, Corey, we... We're joking because I'm giving you, you know, hard general questions. So I'm, I am serving you up a softball here. I promise. Um, so uh, at, at one of our, we're talking about structured flexibility, and that, you know, if you have a lot of goals, you're gonna, ha- you're gonna be, even though we're promoting flexibility, you're gonna be confined by those goals, right? So like you said, you have the flexibility to go out to a restaurant, but if you're two days out from a show. Maybe that's not the best mm-hmm. time to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said something at, 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 in our, our camp in Australia, and I remember as soon as you – you said two things. Um, and, and as soon as you said them, Ryan Doris and I looked at each other and went, holy shit. And uh, the first one was uh, your quote. You said, self-control is fatiguing. And yeah. I was like, wow, that is on the money. And then this, the other thing you said was that – you want to be flexible and you want the plan that requires the – you want to – and you mentioned this briefly earlier. When you're pursuing a goal, you want what requires the minimal amount of self-control to achieve that goal mm-hmm. because you don't get to pick where your self-control comes from. So can you can – you, we're both like, oh, man, that's so true. Like just think about our own lives. Can you speak to that a little bit and elaborate on what you meant? Yeah, I think that – People use self-control and willpower in the wrong way. They use Mm -hmm. it to white-knuckle through difficult situations. So instead of setting up their environments and engineering them in a way that, like you said, Lane, makes the goal as easily achievable as possible, they're they're expecting that they're going to be able to go into a situation and just control or will their way through it. Mm -hmm. I'll just, and it, it takes so much energy to do when you think about like you're, you're joking at, um, 
with me about lobbing questions at me. You know, I had this image in my mind, I'm going into foreign territory, I'm dieting. I don't know what the restaurant serves, I don't know who the people are gonna be with me, I'm tired. Um, it, all of these things are being lobbed at me and I'm, my brain is working overtime to figure out how I'm going to do this successfully. That's self-control and willpower. What do I do? Where do I sit? What do I order? Oh my gosh, these people are all talking to me at the same time. How do I slow down long enough to ask the waiter that I want my veggies with no butter or oil? I mean, as silly as it sounds, like this is the very reason why dieters will use them, since that's what we're talking about, at night seem to struggle the most. Yes. Oh, yeah. Big they've time. They've gone all day long working, making decisions, using their brains, putting forth that cognitive effort and energy. Every time you have to make a decision, you're using self-control. Now, if it's a decision that you have to make on a daily basis and it's become pretty easy and automatic, you're not depleting that self-controlled gas tank as much. But you get to the end of the day, and I mean, you can feel it in your body. If your body feels very fatigued, if your brain is tired, guaranteed your self-control and willpower is lower. And so it's in those types of situations, dieters really need to get in touch with themselves to know what's fatiguing to them. When are they fatigued? How do they know they're fatigued? And then in those situations, recognize that they kind of need, if I'm going to go home at night and I'm going to be that tired with that low of, of self-control and willpower, I, I should probably already have dinner ready to go in the fridge. That's the engineering your environment Absolutely. to make it as easy as possible. It's, I mean, you see it all the time. Like people will put their workout clothes and shoes right by the bed so that when they wake up, they put them on and they go work out. Mm. Right. It's as simple yeah. as that. Like, if if someone goes home after work and their intention is to go to the gym, they're less likely to do it because now they've exerted more energy. They're going home. The likelihood that they're going to want to sit on the couch and watch TV is higher. Mm -hmm. They have to use and, more self-control and willpower. And with regards to binge eating specifically, I've I've noticed typically that a trigger for a binge is is not hunger. That hunger can be part of it. And may exacerbate it, but that typically it's a stress response. It's almost like a stress known response. Yes, absolutely. You, you hear that, I think, stress and anxiety more than any other emotions are what will commonly lead someone into a binge. And when, when you look at what's actually occurring there, I mean, a binge, if it's not related to real hunger, Lane, like you said, is an attempt to avoid what is occurring emotionally. Get me away from the stress. It's far too uncomfortable for me to pay attention to and look at, so I'll shove it down with food. But it doesn't disappear. It doesn't go away because it hasn't been acknowledged. It's just been kind of, um, we've shoved it away for a little while because we don't want to face it, and then we're faced with all of these other emotions like shame, 
on top of the anxiety or the stress because of what we just did that wasn't goal congruent behavior. So what we call um, a binge in these sorts of situations is it's, it's a compensatory behavior because it's serving, it, it's, we engage in it to meet a need, but the behavior, the binge itself is not meeting the need in the way it needs to be met. And when, when you look at the research and, you know, at your camps, I've talked a bit about like the three basic psychological needs of autonomy, competence, and connection or relatedness. And when you look at the research, I mean, people will engage in, I mean, it could be drinking, it, it could be binge eating, it could be porn. I mean, any sort of compensatory behavior like that is in an effort to feel better or reestablish a sense of stability and integrity when one of those needs feels threatened. So, <clears throat> you know, I know plenty of people, I've worked with plenty of people, and this is so cliche. The female goes through a breakup and ends up with a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I mean... That's classic psychology. Classic psychology. <laughs> the connection has been fissured. She's using food for comfort. What's the real need, though? The real need is a sense of connection and relatedness with another person. So in a case like that, it's not the ice cream that's going to solve it. It may distract her from that feeling of discomfort for a little while, but it's not actually what she needs. She needs to get some connection with another person. She needs to maybe express how she's feeling to the person she had the breakup with. Mm -hmm. So then, I mean, what you've got, these needs are like, they're organismic. As human beings, they, once we have our basic needs met, like food, shelter, water, clothing, sleep, esteem, you know, security, these basic psychological needs guide us in terms of our motivational level in life. How congruent will we be in pursuing our goal? These have to be satisfied. And if one of them is threatened, then the risk is there to engage in a compensatory behavior like binging. So it really is, I think, in, in everyone's best interest, no matter what your goal is, to really understand what these needs are what threatens them individually because that's going to be very relative to each person and how can i manage that this successfully without engaging in in a binge sort of behavior how can i pay attention how can i acknowledge what's occurring for me emotionally instead of trying to avoid it what if i approach it instead and i ask what is this can i be with this what is this trying to tell me? Because if I'm experiencing an emotion, there's something important there probably. <laughs> so Corey, when you uh, work with clients who are struggling with binge eating, just as you described, that's related to uh, you know, fulfilling an emotional void or you know, as a form of compensatory behavior that's actually not related to hunger and not related to, to dieting, are, do you, with these specific clients, um, do you no, do you discourage active dieting on their part? Because I know that for some people, you know, p 
putting them in a caloric deficit can increase the chances of binge eating. For them, would you recommend that they just eat, try to eat at maintenance or, you know, just stay out of a caloric deficit while they work through these issues? No, not necessarily, Sohi. Um, in some cases, I think it really it depends on the person, and, and it takes me getting to know them to see where they're really, really struggling. But if we can target more specifically how they're approaching their feelings, how they're approaching their emotion and their intelligence around it, their mindfulness awareness around it. So if I'm feeling stressed, okay, I'm labeling it stress, but we know stress is largely just a perception, right? It's how am I viewing the situation that I'm in right now? What am I thinking about it that's causing me to feel like I'm threatened in this situation? Stress is a threat. Mm -hmm. um, if we can get them to a place where they can recognize, oh, because oh, emotions are in my body. They are sensations in my body. And I look at, there's no bad emotion. There's no good emotion. Emotion is energy. It's sensations. So now I can begin to detach myself a little bit from what I have what I have called that emotion, because I say stress and everyone's like, Arch! you know what I mean? You hear stress and it's like, Oof. you get rigid. Mm -hmm. If I can hear stress and then be like, open plane of possibility right now, like, what does that even mean? Stress can have so many different um, definitions. Is it that my chest is tight? Is it that my heart is beating faster? Is it that I have tension in my neck and my shoulders? Okay. Does stress then have to mean that I can't handle this situation? That's just a cognition. Maybe that's my signal. Maybe I notice that in my head I'm thinking, oh my God, I can't handle this. Okay, that's one of my symptoms that conveys to me that I may be moving closer to a binge, but I don't have to. The, you know, things happen to us. Like I may see, I may, <laughs> I may see someone like look into my office with a scowl and I can think, oh God, that, wow, what did I do? Oh my gosh, I hope that person's not mad at me. Now I'm Ooh. thinking stuff. Now I start to get worried. Because now I feel threatened and now my heart's starting to beat faster. And so you can see how we can make something more out of an event and then that leads to a certain behavior. Now I'm like, oh gosh, I'm totally worried. And now I'm digging through my filing cabinet looking for my rice cakes and peanut butter. <laughs> right. Ooh. But you know what? I, I can recognize what I'm feeling and then I can breathe. That's one Very of the things that people can start doing is once they get in touch with their bodies enough to recognize what's happening physiologically they breathe because that's that is immediately going to get them into a place where their parasympathetic nervous system comes back online so to speak moves them further away from the threat fight or flight response and puts their brains in a position to be able to be more responsive instead of more reactive. 
Is that your actionable step for uh, anyone who starts to feel a binge or the urge to binge coming on? Is that your? Is that what you would recommend that they do? Yeah, it's one of the things. So he, the other valuable thing is to, because oftentimes, and I look at this like a balloon, right? So you're going through your day and the balloon just keeps filling up and filling up and filling up and filling up mm-hmm. and filling up. And the binge is when it pops. Mm. So throughout the day, people need to just be, they need to take a minute, two minutes, periodically throughout the day to assess where they're at. Like, how full am I right now? I need, do I need to let out some of this air, some of this pressure? I also like to use this magnet sort of analogy. Like, and I tell people, pick a time that you know is always going to be reliable to practice this. And I call it time in on the toilet. Everyone's going to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) So in that time when you're in the bathroom, breathe. Do some deep belly breathing and then be able and ask yourself like, okay, with the magnet analogy, what's sticking to me right now? What is sticking to me that I can pick off and throw away before I leave this room? And then I feel less heavy. I've let some air out. I've exhaled and I can move into my environment again with a bit more presence and calmness. Fabulous. <laughs> I mean, I think the theme, you know, if, if it's hard, this is stuff is all complex and nuanced, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. I think the, the theme that I'm sensing here is, is one, flexibility, mm-hmm. but then also uh, mindfulness in kind of every aspect of life. And you said, you said something that actually helped me, Corey, when I was getting ready for the World Powerlifting Championships with the IPF. Because my my lower back was, uh, I hurt my lower back and I kind of really struggled um, until a few weeks out. Being, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, you said just changing your perspective of how you look at things instead of saying, like, this is, I'm stressed out. Mm-hmm. You just say, this is stressful. Yeah. You know, this is a stressful situation. And you said, watch the movie of your life. Don't star in the yeah. movie of your life. And, uh, you know, I still had my bad days, but that's that whenever I would think like that, it would take it out of it. It was like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're not going to be able to compete there. Okay, well, that kind of stinks, but, you know, life will go on, you know, just kind of, you know, breaking it down like that. And it seems, I mean, I I tell uh, clients with, you know, bringing it back to binge eating, um, you know, like identify the behavior and talk yourself through it. Like if you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the times, I tell people, a lot of the times, at least I found my clients, just them simply identifying the behavior stops it. So, like, that because. Labeling, yes, that labeling actually, just being able to say, oh, this this is a difficult situation like you did, or this is, this is an example of the anxiety. It, one, you're disidentifying from it because you're not using I, you know, you're separating yeah. yourself mm. from it. But the very act of acknowledging it calms down the amygdalar center of your brain, which is that fight or flight threat response area. So it does. It has very real positive consequences. 
And Lane, I like what you said about talking to yourself. There's a caveat to that. Talk to yourself out loud. <laughs> yes. Actually, I told them to say, like, most people, I tell you kind of know uh, if you, you will get that sense of when you're wanting to start binging. Just, just because I mean I've been there before. I've binge ate before. I wouldn't call myself. I wouldn't say I had binge eating disorder because it was just when I was very hungry, that sort of thing, and it would go away, and it wasn't an emotional thing most times. But I, I, I would tell them, say like, if you sense it coming, say I'm about to binge. Why do I feel? Am I am I really hungry? Am I really really hungry, or am I stressed out? You know, like, do I really need this food or do I want this food more than I want whatever goal is there? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, just, I'm like, at the minimum, it will, you may overeat, but it will take you out of that unconscious zone where you just fill your face beyond the point of, you know, it, it even being beneficial for you. Yeah, you know, for me, when I was still competing and dieting, and I would have to diet pretty stringently to get to where I needed to be, it became this game. Um, I remember sitting in the kitchen one time, and I was just working, I was writing, and like <laughs> every time I, I said, okay, I'm going to put a tick mark on this sheet of paper every time I think about food. And within an hour, like I had the entire sheet of paper. Wow. <laughs> I know was, those feels. It, it was a practice in like, I can just watch this like mm. a movie marquee. I can watch these thoughts across my brain. Doesn't mean I have to attach to them, believe them, think they're true, or follow through with them. And That's... the the other piece of it for me too was in being able to say, you know what? If I did binge or if I did eat that food, the feeling of doing it, the feeling of disappointment for me is far, far worse than the feeling I'm having right now of thinking I want to eat. Yes. So you are using emotional intelligence in that <laughs> instance. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I think that's, you know, really important with people and just like you said just talking yourself through things and maybe maybe you get to a point where you say you know what I'm so hungry right now I am gonna overeat a little bit just because I want to feel better and I'm okay if I have some body fat gain mm -hmm. or, or I have less fat loss like and I think that's totally fine you know especially with general population clients you know if you're getting ready for a show obviously again you're confined by that goal however Again, like with clients, I tell them, and I've, I've had this conversation a lot with actually um, Lauren Lauren Conlon, who doesn't have an issue with doesn't have an issue with binge eating, yeah. but you know Lauren, for example, when we were, when we started reverse dieting last time, uh, she put a lot of pressure on herself, uh, and when she wasn't you know able to hit her macros kind mm -hmm. of as close as she wanted, she would just kind of be totally off. And, you know, she put on more weight than she wanted to in the off season, And, you know, it worked out. She did really well for these first pro shows she did. But several times she was like, you know, I'm really sorry, coach. Uh, I'm sorry I put this weight on. I said, listen, Lauren, I, 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 I don't care, you know. And, she's like, and she also said, I just, I really, you know, it's hard for me to track macros. Like it takes a lot out of me. And I said, listen, Lauren, I, 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 I don't care if you don't want to track macros. And I don't care if you had weight. That's like... I, I enjoy, 
you're a friend of mine. I like the pleasure of your company. You know, but, but, mm -hmm. we have to put it in the confines of your goals, right? So, yeah. you, she wants, she pretty much wants to compete every year. And I said, listen, you know, I know you have a hard time tracking macros in the off season. However, if you want to compete yearly, that is a really difficult thing to do if you're adding quite a bit above stage weight, right? right. Yep. And so, in order, in that, so if you told me I'm going to take two years off, that's not a big deal because you're going to overeat for so long that even if you put on more body fat than you'd like, we'll be able to bring you down. Right. But when you're having this kind of gain of body fat with uh, coupling that with, you know, uh, not consistently eating and overfeeding, that's when the problems start to occur. And so I said, listen, you know, we have to, and this is something we're working on, and we seem to be doing a better job as a close coach-client relationship of me putting out something that's more, even more flexible for her to hopefully mm. increase adherence. You know what I mean? So... That's like that as a coach too. Like if I told her, no, you have to hit these reverse diet macros exactly, and we've got to keep you within ten pounds of stage or whatever it is. Like I'm setting her up to fail. Yeah, you really, you're exactly right. What you're providing for her right now, Elaine, it's called autonomous support because you're supporting her autonomy. She still has some choice in the matter and we all need that to feel some level of motivation to continue in our goal pursuit. You laying down the law and saying no this is exactly how it has to be and you can't deviate then she's she's doing it for you but she yep. has no volition in that situation and so it takes away her power and that's, mm. that's depleting. Yes. Which, by the way, is how most co most coaches operate. I can <laughs> I, think of yeah, <laughs> so many. You will do this because I told you to do it. <laughs> right, and I think a lot of times they rebel. <laughs> no, don't ask me why. You don't need to know why. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we're gonna have to wrap this episode up, which which really stinks because we love talking to you, and we we will have you back on again. I was just gonna say, I think we need a follow up episode. <laughs> I I know it. I know it. Like I I've said that with so many of our our call-ins, but like. You know this, so he like being around Corey at the camps and everything. Like it's just, you know, and and this past year I really tested Corey's patience with me because I was like, <laughs> I need you to be able to do this speech in fifty minutes, or was it forty? <laughs> I think it was fifty or forty. You and, did forty, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm back there, and I'm just like, oh man, because I, I Corey's such a great speaker, and she. She really brings it. Um, but Corey, real quick, if you could give, so I, I realize context is super important, but what are some tips, you know, some quick tips if you had to give people to get into that that mindful thinking, yeah. you know, to, to get better at that? What would you say? I would say to offer themselves some self-compassion. Yes, I love that. We are so hard on ourselves and I don't self-compassion is not be mediocre and don't try hard and don't have any goals for yourself self-compassion is I am acceptable and I'm worthy and I'm going to make mistakes and I don't have to I don't even have to have failure in my vocabulary it's honestly it's not in mine. 
I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even exist. It's not even in the dictionary. Because mm -hmm. to me, we act, we behave, we think, we do, we be, and there are there's a ripple effect. There's consequences. Positive or negative or neutral, there's consequences. And that those consequences are information. And I need that information in order to, to take the next best step. Failure does not exist. To me, that is a very important thing to remember. And to not divide yourself into the bad parts of me and the good parts of me. That we have parts. Mm. And all of us have dark and all of us have light and all of us have gray. And that's what makes us human. And emotion makes us human. We need it to function. It's not bad. It's not good. It's energy that we can use as part of that information. That's I, I feel like every time Corey uh, makes a powerful point, we just need like two minutes of silence just to digest it and which, reflect which on you, it. You, you got two seconds, which is really good for me, actually. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Corey, before, you, before we let you go, um, can you, uh, anything you want to plug? Do you guys have any special projects coming up? Um, where can, and where can people find you who are, are interested in possibly working with you? Yeah, so as you guys kind of mentioned in the beginning, I'm with The Diet Doc, and we do personal nutrition and weight loss consulting, uh, but then we also do competition prep as well as part of uh, Perfect Peaking and Team Klemseski. Joe and I have a book called 50 Days to Your Best Life, and it's the curriculum for our permanent weight loss and nutrition program. And we have an online, like you mentioned, Lane, you're putting together this member site. And uh, we have something very, very robust. It's an online digital uh, resource database full of PDFs and podcasts um, and videos that is part of our nutrition and weight loss programming. So our clients... They work with us step by step in this very customized collaborative relationship and we take them week by week through the material in, in this online classroom, so to speak, so that they can not only get the education that they need to lose the weight successfully, but also maintain successfully, mm -hmm. um, but apply it with us as their support persons in in their real lives. And this structured flexibility concept is what we've always used as the foundation of our programming. So that's that's really kind of what we're involved in right now. Um, they can anyone can find us via our website www.thediet.doc.com and I would love it anyone listening can email me also and it's Corey K O R I at thedietdoc.com. Um, the, the last thing, Lane, and so he would probably be just to mention our licensing opportunities. We have about 75 locations across the United States and mm -hmm. overseas. And it's an opportunity for fitness professionals and, and, and people who want to, to be in the fitness business to acquire a, a very strategic program and become the experts in their communities. So through a very structured business curriculum and support from me and from Joe 
they get to establish the diet doc business in their communities and they're the expert nutrition and weight loss consultants there. So anyone can contact me about that as well. Excellent. Well, thank you, Corey. We really appreciate having you on here. And of course you uh, blew our minds as always. And uh, we, we guys, if you don't know about, uh, Corey, if this is her first introduction to her, please search out some of her, her, her webinars she's done on YouTube and go visit the Diet Doc website. Um, there's a lot of good resources there. I think you guys will really get a lot out of it. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. We really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you both. Really appreciated being on.